This is Worship God, a podcast of the Gospel Coalition Canada. Worship God is designed to equip worshipers and worship leaders for Christ-centered worship. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Worship God. My name is Rob Brockman. I'm an associate pastor at Cornerstone Baptist Church in Aurelia, Ontario. And today, I'm so glad to be joined by my two brothers, Jody Cross, who is the lead pastor at South Shore Bible Church in Barrie, Ontario, and Dr. Johnny Markin, who is the worship director at Cloverdale Baptist Church in Surrey, BC, and also the director of the Worship Leader Institute. Brothers, thank you so much for being here on the podcast. Thanks, Rob. It's great, Rob. Thanks. You know, last year, the three of us did an episode around Christmas where we discussed, you know, how we can have a Christ-centered Christmas and not a nostalgia-centered Christmas. And so it's great that we get to come back together and do this again. And, you know, during that episode, we, we focused on ensuring that our Christmas worship services were focused on Christ and his second coming. And, and we actually spent a bunch of time diving into kind of new songs that people could check out for Christmas. And, and we gave a bunch of suggestions. Well, this year, I thought it'd be interesting to get us back together and dive into the pool of Christmas hymns and look at some of the great Christmas hymns that have been written over the many, many years and encourage you mm-hmm. guys, our, our listeners, to sing these. And some of these you've heard, and there'll probably be songs that you've done in your churches, and some of them you may not have. And, and the whole idea is, what are some great Christmas hymns that we should be singing more of at Christmas? You know, guys, for, for many years for me, Christmas kind of drudged up kind of um, misery and stress and anxiety because I was kind of part of the, the trend, at least early on in ministry and worship ministry, where Christmas became about putting on a big spectacle. And, you know, I got into ministry to be a pastor, and then all of a sudden I was like, writing plays and trying to find where you could rent donkeys and lighting gear and all this stuff. And it wasn't only until recent years where that kind of, kind of went away and Christmas services became a lot more simple that I began to, again, really appreciate the Christmas season and the sorts of songs that we are singing and really going, wow, you know, actually my grumpiness has kind of been replaced by gratitude at Christmas. And so for me, I think this, this subject of looking into Christmas songs and looking into great Christmas hymns is important because there is really a, a short, intensive window in December that we really get to, to sing all these songs. Now, now, Johnny, before we dive into these Christmas hymns that we want to talk about, maybe talk a bit about the different seasons of Christmas. And, you know, because it's not just Christmas, it's actually a richer kind of season than many of us think about. Talk to us a bit about that. Yeah, that's right, Rob. In the Christian calendar, you've got this more prolonged period where Christmas kind of mirrors what happens around Easter with Lent and then Pentecost. You've got Mm -hmm. these connected places with an Eastertide starting at Easter or Resurrection Sunday and going right through to Pentecost. That's called Eastertide. There's a similar thing that goes on at the beginning of the church calendar year, which begins with the first Sunday of Advent. You've got four Sundays in which we come to prepare our hearts to remember the first coming, but ultimately to be longing and hoping for the second coming. Mm. And you've got that sort of the four Sundays of hope and peace 
peace, uh, joy, and love, or as, as some have done it in, in certain traditions, uh, anticipation and then preparation, celebration, adoration, mm. and then it culminates uh, with the Christ candle or the, you know, the, the day for Christ on Christmas Day, mm. uh, which is interesting. This year, uh, many churches are doing their Christmas services on Christmas Eve being a Sunday. So, yeah. for instance, at Cloverdale, we're going to do a m- Christmas morning service with our uh, the focus on love, and then the Christmas Eve afternoon service will be our Christ service. So, we're, we're double dipping on Christmas yeah. Eve. <laughs> but, but far be it for us to think that it all ends with Christmas Day, because it Really, in the Christian celebration, it begins with the Mass for Christ's birthday or the celebration for Christ's, Christ's birthday, and then happens the 12 days of Christmas, right. like the medieval song, yeah. <laughs> but each day is a celebration of something different in the church. And in many cases, a celebration of particular saints or or happenings affiliated with Christmas. Uh, for mm. instance, you would take uh, December 26th, or in Canada, as in England, Boxing Day. It's the Feast of Saints. Stephen and mm. we you know we have a Saint Stephen's carol which which was good King Wenceslas looked out on the feast of Stephen and so that's what the feast of Stephen was we remember Stephen the first martyr and then one of my particular most favorites is the third day I think it is which is the feast of the innocents in which we remember the children who died because Herod was trying to Mm. kill Jesus in Bethlehem and so many churches globally will take that Sunday and make it a focus on the dignity the sanctity of life Mm. and make a statement that way Mm. so it's quite beautiful so these 12 days of Christmas you have celebrations and they are Feasts. You're supposed to feast for twelve straight days, and hmm. it's you know, that, that's that's really a party time. I love it. And <laughs> then you, you you get to what is known as Epiphany, which was one of the classic uh, feast days of the church, one of the three big ones besides Easter and Pentecost, in which is the unveiling of Christ's deity, the manifestation of Christ as as God to the world, and so you have uh, you know the imagery of his baptism. Where, of course, uh, the Father says, my beloved Son, the Holy Spirit comes down, and you have the picture of the triune God right there. You've Mm. also got the wedding in Cana as one of the things, because it's his first miracle. That's his first manifestation of his power. Uh, And then you've got the Magi coming with their gifts to honor the King, honor the Christ child on that Mm. time in the Mm. two years following. So, really, it's, it's part of telling the story. It's the prophecies, and then the story itself, and the birth, and then moving on, uh, some of the events that happen happened through the Christmas tide right up to Epiphany, the yeah. announcement. And then that takes us further into uh, towards uh, Easter. Yeah, it's a really rich season. You know, I was thinking even about Advent recently and how Advent really is a season of hope and lament. There's oh, yeah. the hope that, hey, Christ, well, first we look back and we think of Christ's first coming as first Advent, significant coming. But then we hope towards the second coming. But there's a sense of, the longing for that. And then the, man, how long, O Lord, until you return? And looking around and seeing the grief and even looking through some Advent hymns, they really pick up mm-hmm. that theme of, of longing and pain and suffering and how long. And so it's an interesting, it's a very rich season that I think a lot of us have maybe really simplified just to like Christmas. No, you're right. I mean, even the colors of the candles that we associate with Advent, uh, purple is traditionally the color of fasting uh, and of, of of humility. And so we're, we're looking and longing, hmm. in, you know, that, that hope and longing is there. And it, and it transitions to joy with the pink candle and finally the bright purity and the holiness of the Christ candle. 
Jody, last year we spoke about the benefits of singing like new Christmas songs and we listed a bunch of them. And you guys, if you haven't heard that episode, you can go back and take it, take a listen to it. <laughs> but why is it important to sing Chris, hymns at Christmas? What, what benefit do we get from singing hymns specifically at Christmas? Sure. You know, scripture says both in Colossians and Ephesians that we're to sing different kinds of songs, generally psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. And there's different themes. If you take the old hymn book that we used to all use, you know, five mm-hmm. or 600 songs in a hymn book, they were all grouped according to different themes. And yeah. often they were tracking the life of Christ, uh, many of them. And there was other categories as well. And there was this whole section, uh, Advent, um, his birth, his nativity, and uh, Epiphany, as uh, Johnny has all, already said. So I think there's wisdom as planners and as disciples that, our song repertoire, the lyrics that we use for our own discipleship should be varied, mm. and particularly with the season that we've just talked about. The um, scripture in Matthew chapter 13, um, 52 says, Every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. And as I think about Christmas carols, Christmas hymns, I'm thinking these are the treasures that the Lord has given to the church. And so we sing new songs, and that was last year's topic. And we also yeah. sing these golden nuggets from from decades and uh, centuries ago that the church has been singing. Yeah. So different kind of songs. And then we're blessed that we are singing the wisdom of what the church has been singing about. And those things that have endured, probably mm. in earlier versions of hymn books, there were songs that didn't make it, didn't make it into newer versions, and mm-hmm. now we have a small collection of probably 15 or 20 songs. And it's, it's like those are the gold medalists. They, you know, they made it. They made it to 2021, or at least the last version of the hymn book that yeah. we've got. <laughs> and there's real wisdom in actually singing what the church has been singing because they've obviously lyrically, many of them, lyrically have endured. They've got substance and quality. The tunes have endured. And the church, by and large, has said, that we, mm-hmm. we will be part of this. We'll continue to sing this. And mm-hmm. I, too, yeah. absolutely love this season, and I wish it was longer. Uh, you know, as, as worship leaders, we sort of, we get caught in the sense it's December. We have to do planning, and there's real wisdom in actually going back a couple of months before that and even getting ready. But it comes upon us as planners, and I think it comes onto uh, our people very, very quickly. I think it was Piper who said, Advent is to Christmas what Lent is to Easter. And boy, if we could just, you know, um, marinate in these days longer than the four four weeks that we have, that would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. So these songs, I think we need to sing them because they speak of the mystery and the majesty of the mm-hmm. incarnation of Christ. And there's, uh, Advent is this invitation to come and linger and ponder, as we've just said a few minutes ago, but the darkness and the brokenness. In the plan of God, that in the fulfillment of his timing, Christ came to earth humble. And boy, those are themes that we just, we need to see for the sake of the hope of the world and also for our own discipleship that, that we need to ponder humility and we need to ponder mystery. And these are, these are words that, that we need. And one more, I think if I was to give one more thought of why these are important, I remember I was teaching some guitar lessons and I said to someone, would you like to learn Silent Night? And this guy looked at me and goes, what's Silent Night? Now, he didn't come from a Christian background, so he hadn't been exposed to these things. Mm. But I think even in our church, every generation needs to be reintroduced to these classic 
hymns, content, lyrical songs of our faith. And every every generation, every year, every five years, we need to keep singing these because there's another group of children or new believers in our midst that that need to know these things are are there and gifts from God. So some some reasons why I think they're important, why we need to sing these. In a lot of our hymnals, we've really condensed and kind of narrowed down kind of the key classics, the golden nuggets. But there are even like different hymnals have different nuggets. You know what I mean? Like you, it depends on which church tradition you come from. Sometimes there's hymns that certain church traditions sing that we don't. And so what, what we want to do in this episode is really, really kind of bring to the surface, what are some of these golden nugget hymns? What are these hymns that we really think, maybe it's like, yeah, we know these ones, and let's just highlight again how good they are. Or maybe there's some where it's like, ah, maybe you haven't heard of this one. I'd recommend you check it out. And so what I thought we could do now is let's just bring forward some of our favorite Christmas hymns and talk a bit about them. Johnny, I'd, I'd love to start with you. What would you, sure. what's a what's a Christmas hymn that you think, man, we need to sing this more as we enter into the Christmas season? Um, the, the song that I really love us to sing as an Advent hymn is Joy to the World mm. by Isaac Watts. I got to do some study on Isaac Watts a few years ago and, and look at that. But it, we think of it as a Christmas hymn. It was a second Advent hymn. And so when we, when we read it through dual lenses, yes, we can celebrate the Lord has come and sing it on Christmas morning and say, yes, he has been born. But to remember that everything in that song is pointing to the second coming, I, I really like the idea that it, it, it connects the, the story a little bit longer than just the existential moment hmm. of, of Christmas. So you've got, the, um, let every heart prepare him room. This is one of the key things about Advent. We're hmm. to prepare our hearts for his soon coming, right? And we're, we know he's already been born, but he is coming again. And so that's why we prepare our hearts. It's uh, that, that hoping and longing in, in, in this day and age with everything going on around us, this is a good chance to do that. Uh, but we, we address the idea that the Savior reigns, um, nature will bear testimony to it when, when it all is made new again. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns invest the ground. He, it, the curse, right? The curse has been broken. Mm. Adam's curse, finally broken. And this is a great sense of hope. And then he comes to rule the world and m- make perfect justice for us. So mm. I, I think Joy to the World becomes one of those great Advent songs. Mm. Yeah. One of that I particularly love is um, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, another great Charles great song. Wesley song uh, written in 1744. And the uh, the tune actually is it's a spectacular tune. It's a, a hymn tune that is put to many other hymns that we love to sing. It's, uh, I think the hymn tune is called Heifredal. And so as soon as you hear that tune, many, many people know it from various, various other hymns. And this is a uh, what we talked about earlier, just this idea of longing. Now, unlike Come Thou Long, or unlike um, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which is in a minor key and uh, almost mournful, this one is mm. is not quite as mournful, but it's definitely longing. And mm. there's it's a it's a hymn of petition and prayer. Lots and lots of um, lots and lots of heart just being poured out in this idea of you know even the first line, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. We have been waiting. And it's a it's a brilliant lyric. First of all, the the word "born" happens four times: "Born to set thy people free, born a child and yet a king, uh, born mm. to reign in us forever." So, just some examples of that word "born." Beautiful. And 
you know, it's highlighting that. And then, and just the, the sense of longing, he's, he's talking, Wesley's talking here, born to set thy people free, uh, born to deal with our fears and our sins, the hope of our rest, our strength, our consolation, hope of all the earth, the desire of every nation. And mm-hmm. he actually uses that word every twice in the song. So uh, mm. the joy of every longing heart, every nation. So in other words, this is a global, this is a global longing for, for these common um, common needs and broken broken conditions for humanity. Yeah. And I love the, um, toward the end of the song, now thy gracious kingdom bring, that's the Lord's prayer, you know, your kingdom come, your mm. will be done. Yeah, yeah. And then there's, a, I'm just going to tuck in a, a song that I'm loving of late by um, Shane and Shane and, and uh, Bethany uh, Bernard, but All Sufficient Merit and their brand new, I think it's a 2023 song, comes and takes their, their lyric of the title from the end of this song. Uh, by thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. And that's just a, a beautiful piece of Easter salvation message tucked in at, at the end there. It is Christ's finished atoning work that raises us, mm-hmm. that enables us to be in the presence of God forever. So just mm-hmm. a beautiful hymn. Love it. Yeah. One, one of the ones that I really love that I I think, man, we need to sing more of this one is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Oh. Um, written, you know, it's a Wesley hymn and George... Whitefield and many of us are, you know, we we know the. This is one where we all sing it probably at, at Christmas. This is not going to be a shocker to anybody. Like, yeah, we I know this one. You know, um, it talks about Christ coming and the triumph of the skies and angelic hosts proclaiming his birth in 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 Bethlehem. And it goes on to talk about um, him laying aside his glory and and being born to to eradicate mm-hmm. death. And in verse mm-hmm. three talks about his, de- his, his, his veiled deity and there's Trinitarian language here. But, but I love it because I think for a lot of people, they don't know that there's actually four verses in a lot of hymnals. There's only three verses. And in the fourth, the fourth verse, it's an incredibly rich one. It says, you know, come desire of nations, nations come fix us in thy humble home, rise the woman's conquering seed, bruising us the serpent's head right there this proto-evangelium of genesis 3 is there you know christ coming to vanquish satan adam's likeness now a face stamp thine image in its place again great lyrics and also great theology second adam from above reinstate us in thy love and then again ending with hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king and so that one the four verses if you can find you know, find a time to sing those four verses together. Um, man, it's what a great story it tells. And it's just a beautiful, rich hymn that I think we need to sing more of at Christmas. Johnny, do you have a, another one that you that you love singing or we should I, I sing do, more of? I, I want to bring a factoid about the previous song. Hark sure. the Herald, he originally wrote the melody to his Easter song. He used it uh, and it was... Um, um, Christ the Lord has risen today, yep. and so it's hark the herald angels, angels sing, sing. glory oh, yeah. to the <laughs> newborn King. Oh, wow. Peace on earth and mercy, my home. Right, so it it actually fits, and there was no refrain of hark the herald angels sing in the 19th century. Um, there was a, a somebody who heard this piece called Festa Gang by Mendelssohn, Felix Mendelssohn, being performed in London, and he heard this and and was thinking of the lyrics. He put the two together, and he created the the 
repeated chorus that we sing. And so huh. we've been singing this 19th century version of it for the last, few, you know, 150 years or so. Oh, wow, so, yeah. that's great. But another Victorian song, though, that I really love um, was done by a, a Scottish artist uh, a few years ago, and that was the first I'd heard about it. Yvonne Lyon recorded this, um, and it's uh, See Amid the Winter's Snow. And it... Uh, it again connects the the manger to the cross. It's beautiful. See amid the winter snow, born for us on earth below. See the tender lamb appears, promised from eternal years. Mm. Hail thou ever blessed morn. Hail redemption's happy dawn. Sing through all Jerusalem. Christ is born in Bethlehem. It goes on, lo, within a manger lies. He who built the starry skies. He who throned in heights sublime sits amid the cherubim. Hmm. And uh, so it goes on to talk about the shepherds and the various things, but it, but it comes to the, the response at the end where it says, teach us, teach us, holy child, by thy face so meek and mild, teach us to resemble thee in thy sweet humility. Hmm. Beautiful lyrics and a, and a wonderful uh, uh, melody that goes along. Edward Caswell wrote that in 1858. Yeah. You know, one of the benefits, I think, of a lot of Christmas, good Christmas hymns is helping us to understand properly Trinitarian theology and the yeah. incarnation and, you know, debates rage today about that on online and stuff. And and, Chris, and good Christmas hymns can help instruct us on how ought we think and, and speak theologically about the incarnation and the Trinity. Uh, Jody, what, is there another one that you have, like a favorite that, hey, we need to sing this Christmas hymn, mm-hmm. Christmas hymn more? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was thinking, Rob, uh, just that, a lot of songs get excluded, particularly in the last 20 years, because the band can't play them <laughs> or the, yeah. or they don't sound modern enough. And that's, that is one of the challenges for congregations in our day yeah. uh, to not play mm-hmm. something that, you know, you can put a 4-4 driving beat to. <laughs> and so there's a challenge for us as worship leaders, how to present these songs when, when it stands out like a sore thumb musically. And there's, yeah. you know, there's a lot of hymns too that do that, um, but not losing those things. One of the ones that I was thinking of was Once in Royal David City. And that's, <laughs> yeah. I would say that's not in the obscure category, but it's, it's sort of off the beaten path a little bit. And I particularly love the final verse. It says, and our eyes at last shall see him through his own redeeming love. For that child so dear and gentle is our Lord in heaven above. And he leads his oh, children yeah. on to the place where he has gone. Yeah, and mm. there's there's something beautiful when we teach on Advent and Christmas, or preach on it, or sing about it that that we don't see the manger uh, by itself without the shadow of the cross, and yeah. you know because it becomes sentimental really really easily, and it's mm. cute cutesy and fluffy, and so when you have the manger and the shadow of the cross, and this particular carol actually is going a step farther and it's seeing the ascension and the reigning Christ. Yeah. And also saying mm. that he is bringing us f- to that place. And this speaks, mm. even the title of it, uh, from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, he will reign on David's throne. And speaking mm. of the the royal kingship of, of Christ, you know, who, good. who ends up in the manger and that's, that's his throne, his childhood throne is yeah. on a in a manger. So that's one I think that people may be somewhat familiar with. And actually the tune I think is not very difficult for us to sing. Some are very challenging, but that one I think could be brought out and and it's a rich, rich song. It can be a challenge when you only sing these once per year. 
Yeah. And I, I think one of the ways that maybe we could serve our church better is, and we all have a ton of things to do, but maybe we organize carol nights uh, mm. in the midst of Advent and close to Christmas where we can expose families, uh, you know, and the, the children especially, to these older songs. And it doesn't have to be a... Um, a big show production and and just do the songs as they are because I think there's something rich in hearing something different. We can we can listen across our playlists on <clears throat> Apple Music or Spotify these days and every song tends to sound a little bit the same. Mm-hmm. And then you hear something so different like a hymn written hundreds of years ago and you think, oh, that sounds fresh again. And so I, I think a few years ago, we attempted a version that the Gettys had done of O Savior of Our Fallen Race. Again, a lamentful minor key thing, but so rich in theology. And it it was a real moment to, to be pensive and to consider. But I think one of the great things about older songs is it helps us connect with the generation of saints past. Mm-hmm. And, and we are in their world, they are in ours simultaneously as we do that. It's a form of anamnesis where we're pulling something from the past into the present, and ultimately these things are showing it forward to the hope of the, of the gospel and Christ's return. And I like what you said, Johnny, there about um, something fresh. And sometimes in a band context, something fresh is actually just having something that doesn't sound like everything else. Yeah. <laughs> that is played on a piano alone. Yeah. With voices at a slower tempo, not a a driven rock tempo. I was (laughs) at a worship event this week and uh, the soloist sang Silent Night, the simplest, you know, one of the most beautiful Christmas carols that we can sing. And Mm -hmm. uh, it was, it was very fresh and very, and there was nothing, there was nothing novel about the song. There was no new bridge. There was no repeats. There was no key changes or guitar solo. It was just the hymn. And I think maybe that is fresh. Maybe, as you said, mm. these carol nights, maybe just presenting them these songs as we would have sung them in the 70s or in the 80s, you know, piano, organ, and maybe a choir, maybe not. They'll, that'll be like, oh, this is great. I haven't heard singing yeah. like this before. Well, that's a good segue maybe to the last hymn that I want to put forward, because this is not band-friendly um, a band-friendly hymn. In fact, I was spending, I spent a good chunk of hours trying to write a chord chart for this in a way that I could do it as a band, and I'm going, man, I don't know. But I think this is a great hymn. The melody is beautiful. Again, a little harder, because it's from a, an era, I think, of more musicality that we're not used to. But this is, um, the song's called Break Forth, O Beauteous Heavenly Light by Johann von Rist. And this was a, a 1600s, hymn written by von Rist originally in German. And it was actually, it wasn't called that. It's, it's at 12 verses. And over the, the following centuries, only one of them had been translated to Eng- English, which is that verse started with break forth, O beauteous heavenly light. At least that's the translation in the 1800s. And then another verse was written to the song. So in many hymnals, there'll be two verses of this originally 12 verse hymn. And the title of our hymn comes from that ninth verse, which is the only verse that was actually translated. But it's a good example of a wonderful hymn set to a powerful melody that is a deeply rich heritage. And I'll, I'll read the verse one for you. It says, Break forth, O beauteous heavenly light, and usher in the morning. Ye shepherds shrink not with affright, but hear the angel's warning. This child now weak in infancy, our confidence and joy shall be. The power of Satan breaking, our peace eternal making. And so this is all about how the incarnation comes. Jesus came not only to break the power of Satan, but also to usher in this eternal peace 
that we get to enjoy with God. And so we got themes of Christ's triumph over the enemy, but also his reconciling work um, mm. between us and God. And so this is a, a number, another hymn where like the source material, even if you want to go back and look it up and you can find it online, the original German hymn, and then look through the verses and look through what Von Rist originally said. It's fascinating. And there's a ton of great gospel content and lyrics in the original hymn. And so this is a shorter hymn. The, the, the melody is going to take a bit to learn. And I was like, you know, going through it and playing it out and listening to it and going, it's beautiful. But this would be a great example of a hymn that you could do at a carol night and during Advent with a piano player and sing and go, wait, why don't we sing this hymn more? You know, this is great. Yeah. And it's probably just because, yeah, it's hard to fit in a 4-4 band signature time. You know, one of the difficulties we've got with modern church music life is that we don't have hymn books anymore that can show you the melody. Yeah. Because you could pull a, a hymn book out and kind of roughly follow the dots on the page yep. where the melody was going. Uh, but, you know, those don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Everything's done, just text on a screen with no indication of how that is flowing metrically or melodically. Yep. And, and I think we're, we suffer for that a little bit. And oh, I yeah. think maybe a chance to do a hymn sing even with a hymn book, I mean, do we even have enough hymn books to pass around <laughs> or, or, or compile something, you know, in a, use your CCLI printing license or something and do yeah. a little songbook for people. But I think exposing people to the ancient songs of the church is really, really helpful. Oh, yeah. I think a pro presenter can make a ton of money if they learned how to, with each line of text they're showing, show like the staff sheet of mm-hmm. melody. So every yeah, Sunday... Sheet. Yeah, so every Sunday when you're looking up at your screen in front, you see the lyric line, but you also see the the lead sheet above it. I think that, like I've been saying that for ages, I think that's how we should show lyrics Sunday morning. So those who actually want to sing melody according to the lead sheet can do it. And then there's the lyrics there. I think somebody's got to invent that. Yeah, or maybe they're already I, doing it. But I, I experienced that uh, down at the Weber Institute when we would sing the Psalms and there were very short refrains and they were put with like a single staff with mm-hmm. the melodies and here's how it was. But I think what they had done is simply used a PowerPoint slide and they'd created a, a GIF or yeah. whatever, put it on there and and then you read it. So, I mean, you could still do that. It's just a, yeah. with, with some of the new show lyrics that you've got, uh, presenter lyrics, it's much easier to just do the song, import the lyrics, and just put them up there, and everybody that's can learn by ear. Yeah, that's it. Well, guys, to close off, um, and I, Jody had this idea, and I really like it. Are there any Christmas hymns that there are modern versions of that you think have actually made improvements on the hymn? So maybe it's taken a hymn that you go, oh, I would never really want to sing that at, at Christmas. It's kind of hokey. But then somebody took it and actually made it kind of Oh wow, this is this is good now, Jody. Why don't why don't you uh, yeah. start? Let me give you two examples. One is an addition, and and one is a fairly big rewrite. And both of these are the original tunes, so they didn't mess with the melodies. They just amended uh, the lyrics. The first one, and this is one of the ways I might commend to worship leaders that we freshen things up. For example, in "O Come All Ye Faithful," uh, I think it might be Shane and Shane. There's a new verse that goes. Child for us sinners, poor and in the manger, we would embrace thee with love and awe. Who would not love thee, loving us so dearly? Oh, come, let us adore him. And so that that is one new verse out of three existing verses that uh, we've sung in our church, and I've led that 
And there's something beautiful about injecting a new lyric that that feels like it belongs. It, it's got that that same sense of reverence or language. And I think when people sing that, it's like, oh, that's interesting. I've never sung that before. And I think it both highlights the song and also makes the other verses shine a little bit too. I love O Come All Ye Faithful. My issue with it always is that line, yea, Lord, we greet thee born this happy morning. I always kind of feel silly singing <laughs> born this happy morning because mm. like Jesus wasn't born this morning. He was born mm-hmm. 2,000 years ago. I get the sentiment, but it's just one of those little things for me that is always like, ah, that bugs me. But anyway, sorry, Joe. You, you could put the word uh, born that happy morning. And then yes, yeah, there you go. The same thing, <laughs> you know, you know it's, it's not copyrighted anymore, so you could get away with it. I mean, yeah, it's originally true. from the Latin anyway, so we can take some liberty. <laughs> yeah, with there you go. <laughs> My other example, uh, Away in a Manger, beautiful tune. Often, I remember... I had a little bit of experience in the United Church as a kid. There was a small little hymnary book, and there was a section of children's hymns. And this, to me, feels like almost like a children's song, but I Mm -hmm. have not resonated with the lyrics very much. So Sovereign Grace uh, wrote brand new lyrics to the Away in a Manger tune. And there's two really beautiful tunes. Both tunes for that that carol are are wonderful. But let me just give you um, an example Mm -hmm. of a lyric. I won't read all four of them. But um, there's four verses, and, and the first line is, Away in a manger, a baby is born. Second one is, Away in a manger, a servant is born. Away in a manger, a savior is born. And finally, Away in a manger, a lion is born. And it goes through the salvation sure. story. And um, I'll just uh, read the first one. Away in a manger, a baby is born. The sovereign of heaven, whom angels adore, is wrapped in the weakness of our mortal frame, the little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. And hmm. so to me, that brings that song out of... You know, out of the yeah. the back shelf uh, filing cabinet, back backspace mm-hmm. to potentially front burner, and mm. tells great story. It follows a lot of what the original lyrics did, keeps the tune, mm. and I think it uh, gives us some great lyrical content. Absolutely, for me, I think one, Oh Holy Night" is a song I've, I've got a love hate relationship with it because, <laughs> um, you know, the sovereign Sovereign Grace has done an updated version. It's it's um, got three verses. It wrote two new verses, but I would like to see that the retranslation of the original French hymn, because because when the pastor translated it, he was a Unitarian pastor, he kind of changed some of the actual theology in it, and the original French poem speak is is a lot better like it speaks of christ's propitiatory work by bearing the wrath of god there's great imagery in each verse the first verse talks about people kneeling in wait then second verse is bowing in reverence and then the third is standing and proclamation and that wasn't captured in the translation um Mm -hmm. the final verse takes us to how christ has broken the chains of our slavery and and to division with one another and he's united brothers and how we can brothers because he suffered and he died for us. It's it's the original French poem is outstanding. And then you get the English one and you're like, ah, oh, this kind of falls flat. And yet we all sing it and know it. So in my opinion, this may be a bit different, but I think it needs like just a retranslation, not like a new version like Sovereign Grace did. I think that's good, but I would love to see it retranslated, capturing those those sentiments and yes i've tried a thousand times i keep trying i'm working on it but i i'm not that good at it so i think somebody far better than me needs to do it johnny what about you do you have you know any anything up your sleeve like that 
Uh, I've not had that much experience with finding newer versions of the classic hymns that are better. Uh, And often it's because they're messing with the melody. And Mm. when you've tried to introduce that change into your congregation, people sing the old melody. Yeah. And they they know what they know. And uh, it's kind of a swing and a miss at times. And so I don't like it when they mess with that much of it. Uh, And the other challenge, which I I think you've illustrated how well it's been done with a couple of good songs. Sometimes when modern writers try to append lyrics to an older hymn, they don't have the linguistic, I won't say the skills, but the culture. Mm -hmm. And so it it, it feels like one of these things is not like the other. Uh, It's, it's, uh, I haven't had that much. I mean, I, I do like some of the newer songs that have been written, uh, especially songs like Noel that uh, Tomlin and the Cashes wrote that Lauren Daigle yeah. sang. I mean, and it it captures a little bit of that sense of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel a little bit with the mm-hmm. haunting melodies and, and, and even the way that the lyrics are, are, are crafted. Uh, and then God Made Low by Savior, Sovereign Grace is also a really, really well done song that... Mm. Sounds like it could have been written a long time ago, but musically yeah. sounds very fresh. So, yeah, I've I've leaned more into keeping the old old and just refresh the band versions of those and mm. keeping the melody the same, and then trying to um, look for the newer songs that we can incorporate into our Christmas programs. Yeah, for sure. Well, we've we've recommended a few to you that you guys probably know come out long expected jesus what mm-hmm. child is this once in royal david city joy to the world uh johnny's great suggestion see amid the winter snow hark the herald angels sing and then if you want something also more obscure break forth oh beauteous heavenly light um and um yeah you know we would just recommend these hymns as these are some good hymns that hit some richer themes, maybe some more holistic gospel themes than maybe just focusing on Jesus being in a manger. And um, yeah, these would be songs that we would say, hey, we should sing more of as we as we come together in the Christmas Advent, Christmas Tide, Christmas Tide season. Well, God bless you all. Merry Christmas. We hope you have great Christmas services together and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye for now. Worship God is a production of the Gospel Coalition Canada. For more Christ-exalting resources, go to ca.thegospelcoalition.org.